I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. So I was, um, I was, I was kind of sick for like uh, a couple weeks, like a month ago. You still sick? Um, a little bit, maybe. Uh, no, no. Honestly, I feel I feel back to normal. I actually feel really you, good right now. You were really sick. I like, got like you, a, were, you were shitting yourself. Like, well, I constantly. didn't actually. I didn't actually shit myself, but I, I at but one you, point you were going to the bathroom. Like, yeah, I went to the bathroom like fourteen, no. fifteen times. Yeah. Um, by like four o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. and I think John might have a little bit of what you. Yeah, it was on. it was a, a weird fever, and then kind of ended up being like a, maybe a little bit of like a, a gastrointestinal virus. Um, I didn't actually ever fully like go through with the entire. Um, doctor's procedural process to find out exactly what it was because it kind of ended up clearing up after a few weeks. Um, a few weeks. Yeah. It was just a few weeks just of yeah. me going to the bathroom twenty dot times a day. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the reason why just a learning the, curve. The reason why this kind of I just I just kind of thought of this now is because um, uh, you guys are having a bit of coffee mm. and yes, I drink are. like in a, on a regular day before I was sick. I drink like I drank like. Four or five cups a day. Holy crap! And um, and there there certainly would be <clears throat> moments uh, or times when I could tell that that was too much, right? Like getting and a coffee, bit of the shakes. Coffee and like, makes you poop too. It oh, does, yeah. yeah. So well, so that's the point. Like when I when I went to see the doctor, he's like, I went. So I went to the doctor twice. I went probably late in the first week of of having this fever, and then when my bowel movements weren't getting more regular, I went again like another week later. And he's like, dude, are you drinking coffee? And I'm like, well, like occasionally. And he's like, occasionally, you gotta, like you, you have to stop doing that. So I stopped drinking coffee, and like I've, I've been probably about three weeks without drinking coffee, and that's a, a really long time like at for all. Me. No coffee. Um, there was like a few days here and there where I'd try a little bit. I've, I have been drinking a bit of decaf. I die, and uh, I'd be dead. I know, and and so anyway, I did have, um, I have had coffee the last couple days. But um, even one cup now, I'm, I'm feeling that way that I sometimes would get to like after five or six cups. No way. And, uh, do yeah, you, so do I you ever um, do you ever drink uh, my, that coffee used to fuck my stomach up? Um, it was more on like a very it was very noticeable. Like it was like I drink coffee and I knew that that was what was going on. It was, so it was different from you, but. Um, I that's when I took up drinking Americanos almost exclusively because yeah, of the because yeah, of I know the, you do that because of the water because oh, right. of, because it it's not as um it's not as acidic because of the mixed in because it's a mixture of water. I mean coffee's made with water obviously, but like when you mix the water in with the espresso instead of steeping it it's, okay. it's much different. It's much easier on your stomach. That's interesting because I'm like a I'm like a pretty much regular just like dark roast drip coffee yeah. type of guy. I notice a big difference. 
Well, I'm trying to figure out a way to link segway? this. Yeah, to segue from this into uh, what we're going to talk to Crystal about. Crystal and is a coffee maker. She's <laughs> a coffee farmer. <laughs> yeah. This is the Coffee Boy podcast. Yeah, we've changed our podcast completely. Um, uh, we're I'm, So, okay. <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, something that I think we've actually been talking about talking about for a while. Obesity. Yes. Um Let's dive right into it. I'm <laughs> so like so. Your your. I remember your application. If I if I remember correctly, uh, you had mentioned something to the degree that like obesity is now considered a chronic illness by the CDC. It is by yeah by the World Health Organization, Canadian Medical Association, lots of other medical professional bodies across the world. Okay, I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna get this right out of the way before we go anywhere. Do people it. can't people can't see this. Uh, because it's a podcast that we're recording on microphones. We're not, we don't have like, you know, we're not Joe Rogan. We're not <laughs> live streaming this to YouTube. But if you support our Patreon, we could be. Just one step closer. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if I, I would say it's safe to assume that if anyone was here watching us record this, they would say, Crystal, you're here to talk about obesity, but you definitely don't look like you are suffering from obesity. Yes, that's fair to say. I think. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. So, so what? What? What brings you here to talk about it? Is it something that you struggled with at a at an earlier stage in your life? For sure. Yeah, okay. and uh, I think that's that's a great segue. So, for me, I lived a very healthy, active childhood, involved in competitive sport from uh, a oh. very young age. Um, right through till almost university. I love how I said my, I was like, guys, don't worry. Bigby will be nice and quiet. And then I was in the <laughs> back, just like barking, fucking freaking out. It's kind of endearing though. I know. It's Sorry, natural. Everybody. It's a natural environment. Yeah, you might just hear Bigby chime in here and there. But no, um, yeah. So I never had any issues with my weight at all. And it wasn't until I became pregnant with my first child, uh, that I gained a significant amount of weight and to put numbers to it, we're looking at mm. an excess of a hundred pounds. Um, if not more during my first pregnancy, like no. during, during the nine months or during the or nine like, months or did, and that did it continue after as well? Or was it yeah. all there and then it just didn't go away? Do you know what? I actually, in my brain, I kind of thought one or two things would happen. So I'd have the baby, I'd breastfeed, I'd be active. I actually mm. bought a running stroller, uh, when I was pregnant and thought, you know, this has got to come off because in my opinion at the time, weight loss, was a really simple equation. It was eat less, exercise more, mm-hmm. bada boom, bada gone, yeah. right? You look at the celebrities, you look at media, that's what happens. And I didn't think my expectations were unrealistic at all. Uh, and that's not what happened. So I did, I continued to gain weight for many months post. I um, suffered a severe uh, bout of postpartum depression. Right. So just, antidepressants yeah. and everything played a big part in that too. Just out of curiosity, ah, yes, right. um, and and that, that sounds really interesting, um, but just out of curiosity, like you said, uh, to put numbers on it, you, you put on maybe a hundred pounds. Um, but I actually have no idea what would be like Classified the kind of expected as, yeah. like amount of weight that you would gain during a pregnancy. Is there like a rough a- average or estimate? Yeah, Cause like you're, 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 you're housing a, another human. In right. Your another body. human. So like yeah. you're definitely, I mean, and that's like, you know, I think I came out at like seven and a half or like eight pounds. So like there's eight pounds right there. Right, but not including you, all of the fluids. The, and yeah, the water, the water well, weight. Right? Like you're, you're gonna gain weight pregnant anyway. Some people do, yeah. Yeah, like how sure. how much? 
Like my sister right now, she's like, she's super pregnant right now. Like she's, she's going to have a baby in October. So like she's got quite the, quite the baby belly walking around. I'm guessing she definitely weighs more than what she's used to, Mm -hmm. but like she doesn't look aside from the, the big bump. Yep. She looks pretty normal. Like she looks normal in her face. Like her face hasn't changed. There's no like, you know, there's, there's no like, I guess like extra swelling or like, like she doesn't look larger anywhere else on Mm -hmm. her body. So like, what would, what would you say is, is common or typical for a woman who gains weight during their God, I wish I knew. (laughs) I wish I knew. I I actually, I think there's just, as far as I know, there's a really big spectrum. I mean, I've known women who, who don't gain any weight except for the weight of the baby that 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 they're carrying and others that have gained a ton of weight and anywhere in between. And, also, right. this also on the other end of it, after they have the baby, where it's like two weeks later, you can't even tell that they had a baby. I know. Or those or, lucky or, people, or the other way around. You know, I mean, it's a, it seems like it's very. You guys like, there's, you guys a, there's a massive, massive spectrum. Turn to a it. quick Google search and see just just to see what Google says. Sure, I'm Let's sure that it. there's a statistical average out there. <laughs> uh, I just googled how much weight gain when pregnant, and uh, this is from WebMD. Ask your healthcare provider how much weight you should gain. A woman who was average weight before getting pregnant should gain 25 to 35 pounds after becoming pregnant. Underweight women should gain 20 to 40, and overweight women may need to gain only 15 to 25 during pregnancy. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So, so below, like a below average weight would gain potentially more. Yeah, that's, that's I, I wonder. Uh, now we're like, now we're just muddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so anyway, if you want to look into it, just fucking Google it yourself. Just and, and Google do, it. Yeah, so that's anyway, what we're talking about. Um, you, you mentioned the postpartum. Yes. And how was that? I mean, that's a, probably a whole other topic for your show, to be honest. But, um, you know, really how it plays into this is that, you know, I did. I, I was sad. I was depressed more so than, you know, I envisioned, I expected a very happy time and um, started to take antidepressants and not realizing at the time, but, you know, a side effect of those antidepressant, um, the antidepressant medication was weight gain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it promoted weight gain. Mm-hmm. So I continued to gain weight. And really in the 12 years that uh, preceded the birth of my first child, I went on to have three more um, healthy children. Mm-hmm. So four total. And not quite gaining the 100 pounds each time, but f- always falling outside the normal, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Were you on the range. antidepressants throughout? Like, Pretty much throughout. Through, throughout yep. that whole thing, right. Pretty much throughout. Wow. And I suppose, uh, I suppose it's, it's, it's important to, to point out to people, because I know that this was, a, this was a pretty big revelation to me, is that when I was, uh, I can't remember how long ago, but when I heard the word obesity, you just thought of someone that was like absolutely massive. But there's, a, but there's like incremental... Um, mm-hmm. like steps up in obesity and it's a formula basically that where you are technically obese when you are X amount over where your BMI is, right? Like, so you have like a height and an age and then mm-hmm. based on that, there's like a range that is average. And then if you are somewhere in the, in the realm of like, it's not that much, right? Isn't it like 25 or 30 pounds is technically overweight 
overweight and and really BMI is an outdated measure and really caveat to this no mm-hmm. but by no means am I a medical professional but BMI is an outdated uh, measurement of um, whether or not a person is is living with obesity mm-hmm. and there's so many other right because like, like a bodybuilder a bodybuilder who's like pretty jacked up could have like a crazy BMI, but like they wouldn't be considered obese, right? For, for my height and weight, I fall into the overweight category. And, and mm. I'm looking at you right now, and you are, Brian, <laughs> Brian, right now, you are the most fit I've ever seen you. He looks Thanks. great, folks. You are he looking fucking great. Thanks. I and feel great. I'm super proud of just how much you've been just... Thanks. Um, and you know Slaying what? Just a really quick asterisk. I'm really excited for but you to join me more often. I, yeah, once my back gets better. Um, uh, but so uh, even right now, you'd be considered overweight? Um, tip, by, the, by, the BMI by the BMI standards, standards yes. Right, so like that... And that's that, why it's an outdated, it's exactly. an outdated measurement. And again, it's kind of, if you look at obesity, kind of 360. And the reason I'm so passionate about it is because it is a chronic disease, it's an illness. And I think even going back three years from now, I wouldn't look at it as that. I would look at it as a problem, you know, that's self-inflicted. I either can't lose the weight and it was down to me not being able to do it and not being able to control my eating habits and not exercising because Mm -hmm. every healthcare professional I'd ever spoken to over the years, it was a simple equation to lose weight. You eat less and exercise more simple. And that's what, that's what you would have. That's what I would have earlier, earlier crystal, uh, would have, that would have been my outlook on what obesity quote unquote is. And now, it's, now it's not. No, so, not and at all. So okay, because that's what my outlook of it is now. Yep. And so why I'm so excited that you're here to talk about this is because I want like give me some of that, give me some of that, like drop some knowledge on me. Like yeah. what, like what is it that you? I guess we will get into it. I guess, mm-hmm. but like I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to know the things that you know now that will change my outlook on that because, um, I mean, I, I. I believe you. Yeah. You know, so. I have a pretty believable face to be honest. <laughs> that is very believable. That's, yeah. that's what it was. Again, like, another plug like for the video <laughs> component of this yeah, show. Right. You don't look like you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for me now, kind of looking at obesity, it's, it's completely different. And what I hope to do, because I was able to treat and manage this disease, so I eliminated a lot of the risk factors that I would have had, you know, like. Um, diabetes, risk of stroke, heart attack. Mm-hmm. I've eliminated a lot of risk factors and and overall lead a, a generally healthier life because I was able to manage this disease. So mm. part of my core and the reason I'm so passionate about it is because I know there's options out there. Like I know there's treatment options out there. And, you know, my whole mandate, my mantra really is to just kind of educate the general public. Mm. And when and how to advocate for your health and mm-hmm. when to seek medical attention for it. So if it's impacting your life negatively, mm-hmm. if you, um, you know, uh, run into stigma and bias, like there's so much weight bias out there and whether it's professional within the medical field or whether it's in your personal life, you know, you'll run into it if you're a person who is living with obesity. And Did you run into any of that? 
hundred percent. What? Give me some examples of of some biases or or stigma that you faced. For sure. So, like for example, going in to see my you know GP, I was living in England at the time, and again they use like fat terminology, like, and I was having really bad headaches, and you know his the first words out of his mouth, and again not all healthcare uh, providers have the same opinion, but it was you know if you lose weight, like you're carrying a lot of weight, that could attribute to why you're having headaches, and sure that's true, but I could also have a massive brain tumor, mm, right? right? So you're facing yeah. the bias right. in the first instance. Um, and, right. you know, it's ingrained and it's ingrained in us as a society and it, it kind of is everywhere. Mm-hmm. So at, at what point, um, because you, you mentioned that like you had gone through the process of, of, of having four kids, mm-hmm. um, put on more weight. At what point did you start to kind of look at yourself and say, uh, or, or was it the biases that were being reflected back at you? At what point did you kind of have this idea? Oh, I need to, I need to do something about do this, something or, about or even change your perspective on the way that you were living. Sure. So, again, you know, I think anybody living with any amount of excess weight has tried dieting. So, after I had Jacob, I think the day he was born was the day I started that diet. Is he your first child He was or? my, yeah, he was my first. He actually turned 16 tomorrow, so I feel very old. But Whoa, again, wow. thank God there's no cameras. Oh yeah, I know, I know, it's crazy. So, um, but he's my eldest, and the day he was born, I mean, I think from that point onwards, for the next 13 to 14 years, I had tried every single diet. Mm. I would like you to throw something at me. There's nothing I didn't try to lose that weight. Any supplement, um, you know, crazy-ass remedy, that somebody said this has got to work. All right, let's try it. I let's tried. try it right now. Let's do All it. Right. Atkins diet. Tried it. Uh, South, what's the South, South Beach? Beach? South, South Beach. Beach. Tried it. Paleo. Tried it. Uh, carnivore diet. Yeah, tried it. All no, what? Really? Whoa. It's kind of like Atkins on steroids. Right. <laughs> um, Weight Watchers. Yep, tried it. Uh, uh, Let's do vegan. it. Vegan, keto, uh, uh, you, you wow. name it, you name it. Herbal supplements, herbal life. Right. Like, I tried it. And you know what? Coffee colonics. Coffee colonics. Did you sell herbal? Oh, I actually did. No, I did not sell any any <laughs> weight loss management tool or supplement. Were you a part of the yeah. pyramid? Yeah, yeah, you're like, I've been a part of every pyramid scheme. I am right now. No, I'm not. And you know what? What I this did. This is why you're here. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, by the way, everybody, I have a really great business opportunity. If you want to get in under crystal, if you want to get in under crystal right now. But oh, no, I, I tried everything. And you know what? Sometimes I'd see these successes. Sometimes I would lose the weight mm. and I'd start to feel good. I'd have, you know, physical, um, psychological, emotional benefits, but But it wasn't sustainable. I would either gain the weight back mm. quicker than how long it took me to lose it. Is it because the diet itself for you wasn't sustainable? Like, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're, you're two weeks or, you know, let's say two months in and you're like, mm -hmm. well, I'm seeing the changes. Oh, but fuck, I would really love to have some carbs right now. This is, this and, is, like, this is the thing. Have you, see, have, you, have, you, have you seen the explained I have. One? Have you, have yeah, you I watched have, Yeah, I have. I mean, that, that whole thing on how... on how For people who don't know, Explained is this new Netflix series, and it, I think we've talked about it yeah, before. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if we... I don't know if it's we described it, but it's basically, it's basically like a really super condensed documentary. They're 15-minute episodes, like key points... Cole's notes of, of what you need to know yeah. to understand a oh, subject. We, we talked about it on uh, and, Turn Me On. That's and, why. And the diet episode, there was this basically the, you know, the piece that they talked about where they're going, well, diets typically are these extreme changes in the mm-hmm. way that you eat. Yeah. And, and people do see that typical, like, I dropped weight, but then I came back mm-hmm. because the extreme changes in how you eat are 
generally unsustainable. Yeah, right. And, and this is where you get into obesity as a chronic illness. So if you think of it, it's not black and white. There are metabolic changes that happen in your body. So you and I, you know, Brian and I could go on the same diet, eat the exact same thing. He may lose X amount of weight and I might lose less. It, it, mm, there's right. physiological things and hormones and so many other things that attribute to weight gain and weight management. Well, it's like my, That's not black and white. Like for me, the idea of gaining weight is like fucking throw that out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Like my bot, my... My body literally is fighting against me mm. gaining weight. Gaining weight, you know, it's like it's next to not next to impossible, but it's like it's very, very difficult. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if we go back to like caveman times, the person who uh, you know is able to go long periods of time without food generally wouldn't survive, right? Our right. our environment has changed over the last you know millions of years that now food is readily accessible. Mm-hmm. We're more sedentary as a population, do you know what I mean? We we drive, we don't walk. Right. Um, I had the- I had this interesting conversation with somebody a couple of days ago and and they were like type 2 diabetes is a social disease because we've created this the social construct that we have to eat three meals a day. We've created like the 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 need to the supermarket the, like, using super refined sugars stuff. and things like that. And like type two diabetes didn't exist. They were saying that this person was a medical professional. I don't know, but they were saying like this didn't exist. In and the, obesity in the past. is a leading cause of type two diabetes. Right. It's a leading cause of arthritis, of cancer. Mm-hmm. Right? right. So we're learning more and more through research. But I mean, from the general pub- public's perspective, I mean, there is we're years away from where we need to be that's for sure but now, this might be a, a, a dumb question i'm not sure but is is obesity in a sense um partially a mental illness <laughs> do you know what there for me like there was a psychological component so not being able to gain the weight failing at my attempts to lose weight had a dramatic mm-hmm. impact negatively on my feelings of self-worth. My right. quality of life yeah. was impacted. So, self-esteem you know, and confidence and all that self-esteem, stuff. Self-esteem, all that stuff. And I mean, you know, I suffered with depression and I think it, and anxiety. And a big part of that was down to how I viewed myself. And it came to a point where socially, I didn't even want to eat in front of people. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine okay. like gatherings. I, I was right. afraid people would judge me, you know, due to my size that I just would not go, right? I wouldn't Ooh. participate. It impacted my life on many levels. It, and like on top of that though, like I can understand um, uh, the kind of depression that comes with that too, mm-hmm. but also in the sense of of, of like addiction, mm-hmm. is there a component to the mind that like Ooh. makes you create, like you, like you, like makes you unable to like um, were you resist, Were you like, eating, were you eating, uh, like garbage, like like when yeah. you like when you weren't uh, trying. Like, all right, I'm on Atkins or I'm on you know keto or whatever. Were you were you eating pretty unhealthily, like a coping mechanism? Yeah, no. I mean, God, there, you could go into food addiction and binge eating, the real disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't it, you know. For me, genetically, I was predisposition to this. So they're isolating right. genes. If you look at research that, you know, and if I look at my family history, if I look at my mom's sisters, for example, they're either living or have ha- have lived with obesity. So there's so many Ooh. components that kind of play into it. But just to kind of dumb it down, so to speak, what I understand. So you produce a hormone and hunger is actually triggered by a chemical response of hormones in your brain, right? So, you know, when you're talking about willpower, like for example, I don't believe in willpower. I believe in restraint, like being able to restrain from eating things. That's a practice, Mm. but you know, hunger is actually controlled by a hormone. So if you're talking about addiction, let's say it's like, 
putting an alcoholic in a liquor store, mm-hmm. right? Ooh. And saying, you know, don't drink. And, and not really liking it to food addiction, but let's just say we need food to live, Ooh. right? So it's like saying somebody yeah, who's constantly a, hungry, we're producing this hormone. Your body's right. just like have to eat to survival live. mode. Yeah, right. it's like, yeah. no, 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 I live. have to. I've, I've got to. So And our bodies are wonderful things. And as we start to lose weight, our actual chemical response to that is to regain the weight because we have a set point. So that's why people who lose weights on uh, uh, lose weight on diets, we tend to go back to that set point. So mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to regain the weight. It's a body. It's the body's form of of maintaining the body set weight. Mm-hmm. So there it is a true medical condition. So right? this is so these are all the disease components. components. Like this is where this is how you can this is how you can like intellectually separate. Um, separate it into this disease category rather than a I'm not giving a shit category right. Yeah, right. because I mean I, yeah. I, I'm I'm sort of w- with you like I I I feel like uh, if I see somebody and you, you know you're relating to your own experience like when I see somebody who's really overweight probably the first thing that goes to my mind is how does that happen right and I'm relating to myself because I've been an athlete my whole life mm-hmm. I've I've never been I've never been I've always kind of had the same problem that Jared said. I've always been wanting to gain weight for the for the sport that I'm playing or whatever it is. And I've just and so I I always go, "Oh, wow, how does that happen?" because of my experience. Like right. I've never been there. And then and then I actually said that um to with Kyle. I was driving in the car and saw this woman who was really really big and we started having this having that conversation and then, you know, we sort of said kind of you know, started going down the road of like, "Well, don't think about us in our situation mm-hmm. think about like I don't know what did, did what who are her parents and and who, what's her family like and, right. and what where, where did she grow up yeah. and all these different factors that might play into the psychological and the genetic right. sort of things that predispose you to be heavier than me or right. heavier than whoever, you know? And the reason I'm such an advocate is because there's treatment options available. Mm-hmm. Like there's treatment options outside of diet, right? So there's pharmacotherapy, right? For example, there's medications, prescription medications, and, and really kind of we can get into that, but that's what I did, do right? After block, 15 years. Do they block the, is it like a, a hunger sim, signal blocking or... Do you know what? It's actually, it's I just, took it's an... It's just Molly. It's just MDMA with cocaine <laughs> and just fucking That's it. Right. Right. Like, yeah. I a lot gotta, of caffeine. I, yeah. I lose weight and it's super fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and the, med- the medication that I took, and I, again, this kind of story even leading up to it, the medication I took um, was called Sixenda, and it's an injectable medication. And it's basically replicates a hormone we already have in our bodies that regulates appetite. And what it did for me was it basically, it eradicated appetite is what it did. Wow. Yeah. It it affects people differently. I feel like um, I I can already tell that there's people that are going to listen to this episode and they're going to like, the haters are going to come out. The haters come out. The haters are going to fucking come out on this episode. I know it. I know it. I can feel... Like, uh, in I mean, what, they, in, they, what, in what way? What do we? They, they, they what, come out. They come out. Uh, they come out anyway. Like people, people mm-hmm. disagree with a haters lot of things. Haters gonna hate. Haters gonna hate. Uh, but but I, there's something about like I think the idea of someone hearing that someone took a a, a pill to like suppress mm-hmm. their appetite to lose weight, right? And and it's going to especially the people who are like are adamant mm-hmm. that. 
It's died and exercise. It's your fucking well, problem yeah. and I mean, not a disease. I mean, not like to it's, go it's back, your, not to go back to um, alcoholism, but that, but there was a really amazing radio lab episode about how there's basically been this drug that is not like, it's not a hundred percent effective, mm-hmm. but it's pretty significantly effective at, at taking away the, the, yeah. uh, the, uh, what desire the, the, the wanting, desire, the and that, wanting. That, that, that's this drug, and yeah, and, and but, this it ha- drug. but it hasn't made its way into mainstream no. uh, uh, diagnosis or, or or prescription because of some stigma around the same sort of thing, which mm-hmm. is that it's a it's a fault of you, right? So I, I we, just, need, to, we just, need to fix you, not not your that's yeah. right. not your uh, not the, the the genetic or the, the the chemical things that are happening in your body. Why why are we like that? Well, I do, you know what, and that's part of the stigma. Right. It's 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 the way that um, obesity is portrayed in the media. Like I I actually I saw um, something a gym posted actually recently, a local gym here in Halifax. And it was an image and it was an obese silhouette and it was, you know, a very slender silhouette. Mm -hmm. And the obese silhouette was filled with junk food. Right. And the slim silhouette was filled with health food. And that's, right. you know, you're, you're, you're creating this stigma by basically associating Ooh. all these negative things. So it's, for example, would mm-hmm. we poke fun at somebody who had cancer, right? Would we call them cancerous? They're cancerous. I no, was, we wouldn't. We I wouldn't would, say that. We would, and that's why we're trying to get rid of this Ooh. obese person, right? Gonna, it's a person living with disease. They're not classified. Th- that's or, what I was going to say about that, about this, this drug. Like, you know, the CDC recognizes obesity now as a disease, and when you think of somebody getting chemotherapy for cancer treatment, mm-hmm. you're like, of course, they're going to take that drug because it treats that illness, right? right? And so I, I know I'll be, I'll be the first one to admit, like I'm the type of person who, when I hear you tell me something like that, even if that wasn't my perspective before, mm-hmm. I, I go, okay, like that sounds interesting for sense. me and it makes sense. But you know, not everybody's like that. Not no. people no. Are, are have their firm opinions on things, and yeah. you know that's that's why conversations like this are important. It's great, and you know what? It, just because it worked for me doesn't mean it works for everybody. It's like saying that to a diabetic, somebody who's living with diabetes, you take X amount of insulin. All people living with diabetes take X amount of insulin. No, we're treating a chronic mm-hmm. illness. For everybody, it's different. So mm-hmm. for me. You know, I'm not necessarily one to be receptive to behavioral therapy. So you tell me, don't eat something. It might harm you. Ooh. Probably still got to eat it. Yeah, you know what right, I mean? Like, right. so, but other people have very, you know, good restraint. Yeah. Um, and they're able to practice that. Did you do the, CBT? I did. Yeah. It was part of, it was part of the treatment plan. It's really funny that you say that because, uh, uh, one of the, one of my favorite, uh, stand-up comedians is this guy, Tom Segura. And about a year ago, a year ago, um, it, he was, he was considered obese. He was very overweight, him and this other guy, Burt Kreischer. And they, they're, they are, uh, regulars on Joe Rogan's podcast. Mm-hmm. And they had this whole episode where it was all three of them. And they basically made this like bet of Burt, Burt is also, uh, very large. He's, okay. a, he's like beer belly, he's beer yeah. belly large. So they're, but so, and they're best buddies. They're both overweight and they they went through this whole thing where like and they're comedians right they're like you know and you get them in, into a room their whole you know, they, they their whole life is just roasting each other right and so they go through this this um, this nine, nine back days. and forth like very intense fat shaming thing to each other and then all of their fans also get involved and so it's like Tom's fans are fat shaming Bert mm-hmm. and Bert's fans are fat shaming Tom. 
And it's this like, it's this basically like battle royale of fat shaming. Now, fast forward to today. Uh, I can't speak for Bert because I think Bert's still quite large, but but Tom lost a ton of weight, and he's like total he, game changer he's for him. Constantly talking about like I, I've I've never felt so good in my life, and he he hosts this podcast with his wife called uh, Your Mom's House Podcast, mm-hmm. and his his wife is like Tom, I've never like you look you look incredible. I've never seen you so fit. Like you look so you, you look so trim. You you're mm-hmm. you're more vibrant. You have more energy. And it, so the other day he was talking with, uh, I think it was with Joe Rogan or, or, or maybe it was on his podcast, but he was talking about how fat shaming really worked for him. Really? And I, man, I remember when I heard that, I was like, Oh God. But, that's a, but that speaks to, that's the diversity of it. And like, and when you say, and when you were, when you're talking about the silhouette on the, on the fitness place, it's like, that's a it's form like, of fat it's shaming. Like, it's a, it is, but what I mean by that is like when they they go the the the, the overweight silhouette is filled with junk food and the fit the fit silhouette is filled with healthy food. It's like maybe, possibly, mm. and also possibly not a hundred other different reasons yeah. why. Right, and the same way the same way that um, cognitive behavioral therapy might do jack shit for somebody and it might mm. be the be all end all for another person or why they're able to lose weight or fat shaming. Yeah. Even though some people might say that it's, 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 it's an overall negative. It's yeah, like, I think, you know, it, oh, I think it, it is but, an overall negative. You, thing, I, would like, yeah. I would agree. I would agree. I wanted to know what your thoughts were on but that. But then you yeah. get somebody who goes, I lost all the weight and I f- yeah. want to look, I want to keep it off. Cause like, <clears throat> I'm not going to say we fat shamed you, Bri, but there was a, there I think we kind of fat shamed you did like, a little bit, yeah. uh, like about six months ago. You did, yeah. We would make these jokes that you had a dad bod. You and did, like, yeah. Dad bod. Uh, yeah, yeah. And like, and, and you were, you actually had put on, like you put on a, a fair amount of weight mm-hmm. and then you changed that up like drastically. Yeah. But it wasn't also, it wasn't it your actually, fat shaming that made me change my Okay. I was just wondering. Too. I was you just know, asking. Like, <laughs> like it, I, we overall, went down that road. Overall, the fat shaming. But it wasn't a whole, but it wasn't, oh, it wasn't a big amount of weight. It was more that your... Your 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 cut and chiseled physique had sort of had sort of melted. It did melt. Yeah, it had just sort of melted, out. and that was, was it. And that was. Are it. you fat shaming him right now? No, I was just saying. <laughs> and now, dude, Christ look at Taylor. dude. Look at the dude. I'm look. I can. You are you dude, are the, fat shaming me right the, now. The, the light the light from the lamp is like it's almost like he's almost like a diamond. Dude, it is. You really need to slay. <laughs> he looks great. I know. But and you know what? It, it really is a matter of kind of looking at it, and and that's what I want to do. I want to take that. Um, that stigma away, like yeah. even, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it sounds so cliche, like one person trying to change, but I know the impacts it had on my life and it's not losing all the weight, right? Yeah. It's losing and having actually, you know, it's not even losing the weight. It's, it's having the options available, but understanding what it means to be at my best weight mm-hmm. and setting yeah. realistic expectations, knowing that there's so yeah. many parts to that therapy and really to the whole treatment plan. So it wasn't just pharmacotherapy, which worked for me. Um, I lost a significant amount of weight, but it really is. And, and I've done presentations in the past and, you know, kind of at the end you get to these presentations and you have a, like a before and after pick. And it's not about that because you right. cannot see on the inside how this has changed my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You can't see how I feel right. like from an overall health perspective, mental health perspective, but I'll tell you what made me did this shift. Cause for 12, 13, 14 years, all I did was diet. That's all I did. I dieted all the time. Um, but it was a conversation I actually had with my daughter and she was probably five or six at the time. And, you know, I love my kids. I want to be active with my kids. And it was always kind of an underlying value for me that I connected with. But I almost 
felt like my excess weight or living with obesity was aesthetic. And if I could learn to be Ooh. comfortable being overweight and dress for my weight, then it was an aesthetic issue. I didn't relate it to a health right. issue. Yeah. Um, but I was talking to my daughter and I remember her saying to me, she was like, you know, I just, I don't want to eat that. And she's being really picky. And I was like, well, why? Why don't you want to eat that? And she's like, I just don't want to be fat. Right at five or six years old, right. that those conversations that I think are just kind of living in my head are actually, you know, making their way onto wow. these impressionable little people. That I was like, shit needs to change, man. Like, we need to have a different conversation here. Sick Boy Podcast will be right back after this word from our sponsors. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now, what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Being really comfortable, like owning being really overweight. Mm-hmm. Whether you see that as a as a as like a short term positive, I, I kind of see it as a short term positive and a long term negative. Mm-hmm. You know, being kind of being confident and 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 loving yourself because mm-hmm. I think that's more of an inside uh, yep. sort of inside procedure that happens, and I think that that's really important regardless of it's important of regardless. what you look like or what the effect of obesity is on your health. Yep. To know that to to love yourself is really important, but. Do you think that that is a viable, uh, a viable thing to just go to just to say that I am this weight, I am I'm I'm considered obese, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm okay with that? I think when you recognize something as a medical condition that re- and it impacts your life negatively, right? So there is health components there. There's implications, and it's affecting your life negatively. Mm-hmm. That to know that there's treatment options available, and not just to sit back and be comfortable. Because I've encountered many healthcare professionals who dismiss me, mm-hmm. right? Even when I was seeking treatment, knowing that there was treatment options available for them to say, no, 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 no. it is a simple equation: eat less and exercise more. Right. Um, and so what I want to do is really say it doesn't matter if you're comfortable or not, um, you know, living or as a person living with obesity, it's whether or not it's impacting you and to know that you can advocate for your health. Yeah. Right. I, th- yeah, I, I mean, like, I think, I think that putting myself in the, in, in those shoes, like if I was, if I was obese and I, and I said to myself, yeah, but like, I fucking love my body and I'm happy mm-hmm. and sure. I'm like, I'm on a fast track to get diabetes like my quality of life is is where it is and and I I like where it is and I don't feel like I do you it, think that that's I I, I honestly okay I, I I think here let's put it this way um Jeremy I mean, I'm saying think the same you, way of like no, my CF it's oh, like I, I was going to you can't carry but I was going to put CF it that way though. I was going to put it that way. no okay well, listen listen how about this okay so again obesity is a disease Okay. So if you're living with any type of illness, it's important to manage that illness. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can't just go, totally. fuck it. <clears throat> I don't care about it. I'm happy with the illness. I'm going to totally ignore taking care of it. It's not that you have to change necessarily the way that you look, but you have to try to make these 
healthy decisions or right. go and seek medical totally professional advice. Totally irrespective and like, of look. Like, like not it, look Irrespective of look. Irrespective not look at look. all. So, for example, I'm, Jeremy's, Jeremy's... I mean, I'm talking hold on. a little bit more about yeah, like listen, the, yeah, I know, the body but, image But thing. listen, so, for example, with your cystic fibrosis... Of course you own that you have CF. Like, it's the way that you live. It's a, it's a disease that you live with. Um, but you also have to manage it. Like, you have to yeah. treat it. You have to take totally. your, your drugs and stuff. And, and no matter what, if, if CF is never, ever cured in your lifetime, you take care of yourself with it and you do your best job to live with it, even if your, your body isn't going to necessarily show yeah. results of that. I, I, yeah. And let me, let me just take it back. Let me just step back a second. I, I don't mean like, I, d- I didn't mean like, um, Oh no, I'm just going to like run this, sh- this fucking vessel into the ground. Like at, at it's like whether kamikaze or not it's, speeds. It, it's, it's impacting your life. And I think, yeah. And I, I think I was thinking more so from like the, the image perspective and like how I feel internally, like Lo- love yourself, love yourself Absol- and, and don't, absolutely. don't feel like you need to change. Right. And know? I, and I don't, and I don't think anybody should feel like they need to change, especially for right. anybody else other than themselves, as long as that's an honest and, 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 uh, loving, compassionate way to, to look mm-hmm. at the situation. Yeah. I think, I think I just feel like if there's, if there is a health risk or a health concern, and like you said, there are options that you can pursue right. to try to, to, to mitigate that, those risks, then yeah, I sort yeah. of see it as the as the moral obligation to do that. <laughs> but you know what? I'll, 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 I'll highlight a challenge. So these medications that are available, these treatment plans, this cognitive behavioral stream for the treatment of obesity, you know, even though our, you know, the Canadian Medical Association, the World Health Association, all these medical bodies recognize obesity as a chronic disease, as an epidemic. Mm, so, you mm-hmm. know, one in 10 premature deaths in Canada are wow, as- really? attributed Holy to shit. obesity. There's a medical survey back in 2015. But, you know, could you imagine diabetes medications not being covered? by insurance. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's what we're, Whoa. that's where we're up against right now. So advocating for health isn't just advocating for a look, you know, for people with obesity, it's saying to our government and to our healthcare providers, we need to cover these medications, right? Because this isn't just now problem. Put this, you know, a million fold in 10 years time, yeah. what type of yeah. landscape we're going to have if we're not going to actually, rec- we recognize it, but we're not going to cover you the know, cost the, of any medication. The problem right. is, is that it faces the same type of stigma that depression does mm-hmm. because depression is a mental illness, yeah, but a lot of people experience sadness, which they can also say, you know, sadness is similar to depression. They can, they can empathize with that, but they don't actually understand that depression is a mental illness. And it's the same way that like, for example, I put a little bit of weight on in the last couple of years, and but then I'm able to go to the gym and exercise right. and, and eat better and, and get back into shape. Mm-hmm. But some people aren't afforded the same luxury as that. And and like you, for example, you have to actually go and get medication and mm-hmm. and use these alternative uh, forms of therapy, uh, forms yeah. of therapy to to get better. And a lot of us can relate to the idea of putting on extra weight, mm-hmm. but but we don't experience obesity like that and that's where the stigma comes from i think that's cool to look at it that way i actually Mm -hmm. do because you know if you haven't walked you know a minute in somebody else's shoes how are you to understand but you know again it's down to aesthetics and when we you know historically look at somebody who's carrying excess weight you'd think maybe lazy maybe (laughs) self-inflicted and you know i'm here to say that's absolutely not the case at one point in time it was a status 
yeah. symbol. It yeah. was like if you were, if you, way back. you had money, way, yeah, you could was, eat yeah, like yeah, that. Like yeah. you, could, you could eat. Yeah. I, I want to, um, a, a question came up, popped into my head and uh, bringing it back to kind of your, your experience. Mm-hmm. When you started taking the uh, the uh, the medication that basically inhibited the desire, the the appetite inhibitor, mm-hmm. would you would that is that how yeah, you would say it? Yeah, it's a suppressant, like, like okay. an appetite suppressant. Did you what were, what were the kind of um, what were the implications on uh, like your health in terms of uh, like caloric intake and mm-hmm. uh, nutrients and stuff if you mm-hmm. don't want to mm-hmm. if you don't really want to if it suppresses your your appetite. Right. So for me, this wasn't like a long-term game. Like I wasn't going to take this forever. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it was, it was a tool that I was going to try. And again, it worked. Um, but it was only part of the, part of the journey because for me, once you take away the constant wanting, you're then left be- with behavioral choices. Right. So I actually, mm-hmm. I, I went to a conference and I was a patient, um, in a role-playing exercise and I had this health psychologist do this exercise with me and he was saying, okay, so Crystal, what's your, you know, what's the time of day that you find the hardest? And I was like, you know, what, when it comes to snacking or overeating and I was like, you know, for me, it's kind of right when I get home from work, right? I, I tend, I'm hungry. I probably haven't eaten enough through the day. So mm-hmm. I'll eat. And this is pre-medication. Um, so I tend to snack my way right through to supper time. And he said, okay, well, how long have you done that for? And I said, well, you know, or how often do you do? And I was like, well, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and for how long? And I was like, well, you know, for years and years and years. And he's like, okay, well, take me back to, you know, school time. Like, what did you do when you came home after school? Like, what did you do? And I was like, well, I had a snack, mm-hmm. you know? And so there was behavioral components in there. It's like Pavlov's dog, right? right. You know, there's behavioral Ooh. components to eating. And that was a part that I had to do. So take the medication away. Was I still going to have the same behaviors? I had to really focus on other areas. I had to practice restraint. What is restraint? Understand what that is. And then kind of taking away the hunger, let me focus on what I was actually hungry. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like recognize real hunger, right? Right. And how often do we feel really hungry, Mm -hmm. right? So there was a whole part of this journey that involved a lot of the um, CBT component and behavioral therapy that I think was almost... um, I saw greater results mm, it wasn't, and that was sustainable, right? It wasn't just a medication, quick, easy fix. Cause it wasn't quick and easy, by the way, it was like a two year kind of right. full on journey. There's no quick fix. In, and was that really hard to manage at first in terms of taking it? And so that you could still be hungry when you should be like in the yeah. moments where you should be and hungry. Each person you, you know, is receptive quotations. to, um, the medication in different ways. For me, it was like a total shift. Like, oh my God, like I, I would have a glass of water and I was full. Mm, right? right. And other people might right. not feel the same way, but that's what it was like for me. So I was able to really concentrate on, okay, I'm going to eat this, but I'm eating this because I need to. Right. And I'm going to focus on the health component and portion quantity. I was able to do that because I wasn't as hungry as I normally was. What, what was the drug called again? Sexenda. Is there like an, uh, a, 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 is, is there a risk of addiction to this particular drug? Like, are, were no, you being monitored pretty closely? Or? Do you know what I was? And I mean, that is part of it too. So I had um, a medical professional. So I had my GP who prescribed and right. who supported me. So I saw them routinely. And when you think about going to the doctor. Taylor, are you dying? Please don't die. Are you about please. to throw up? Dude, just let it out. <laughs> oh my God, he died. You're trying to hold in the cough. He's alive, Dude, don't, He's alive. Don't hold it in, cough. No, don't cough into the microphone. Dude, you were leaned away from it, and then as you came And then you started to cough at at it. 
I swallowed coffee in a weird way. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> it went down the wrong tube. But no, I, I was followed very closely by a medical professional, not because of side effects of the medication, but because I required, uh, required the constant support. Right? right. It's a chronic illness. We wouldn't just send somebody off with diabetes after one visit and say, see ya, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, monitor your insulin and make sure you're okay. Right. That is the whole chronic illness component. So it's something that requires constant management. But when you think about going to the doctor today, and this is not to slant doctors, there's lots of great doctors out there who advocate um, and who are trained as obesity specialists. Not many here in Halifax, I can say two. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, you have an average of seven to 10 minutes to figure out what the problem is, diagnose an issue and yeah. treat an issue unless you're seeing a specialist, right? Yeah. So unless you have somebody dedicated, like my GP sat with me in the first instance and very fortunate enough to find her, um, you know, for two hours to wow. go through my medical history, what I try, yeah. what I do. And then it was routinely every week, every two weeks. And we don't have the luxury in our healthcare system right now for doctors to afford that kind of time, right? No, so, it's crazy. The two times that I was mentioning uh, when we started talking that I went to the doctor's office uh, in the span of that, those two weeks, I booked my appointment for a certain time. I uh, was seeing an on-call doctor uh, at my GP's office, and it was... <laughs> they, they tell you to come in at like one twenty. Your appointment is, and I literally never saw the doctor. Right. Do you have a doctor? Uh, yeah, I do. Until an hour, until like at least an hour after the appointment was supposed to be scheduled. And one time was in the evening, and it was like nine o'clock by the time I saw the doctor, and there I mean. was there was still a full waiting room. Yep. You know, and like, so uh, we need wild. to like our government. I'm not, and this is not a plug for anything else, but. We need to recognize that, right? Like we recognize it as chronic illness. We recognize that there it requires management, and that there's a onslaught of negative health implications. That and, and really the the cost on our healthcare system futuristically, but yet we're not investing right now. So, you, there's no obesity clinics. Is that like not a thing? There, there are. So there's um, there's one that I know of in Halifax, um, but it's private, right? So uh. it's um, and it's not kind of your typical Weight Watcher clinic, but, it's under the supervision of a, of a general practitioner or yeah. obesity specialist. That's, right? that's what I mean. It's like, yeah. like a weight, like a, sorry, an obese <laughs> clinic that, that would be similar to like the CF clinic, you yeah. know, like. And, like and really when you look at it again, it's all kind of individual um, treatment mm-hmm. plans, right? We're all different. Right. We don't. Well, that's the thing I was, mm-hmm. I was curious about too. Like you, you talk about um, the complexity of, of obesity. Do you think this is like the complexity of the, the profile of obesity um, adds to the stigma surrounding it in the sense that like there's so many contributing factors. There's so many other comorbid diseases and right? things that That's come right. with it. It's like, it's like there's, I could imagine that if you had a hundred different cases, every one would be so, so uniquely different. different yeah. And it requires time and effort, right? It requires time and effort to sit with somebody yeah. and work on a treatment plan and then support and management throughout. So it's one of those things where we don't have enough <clears throat> medical professionals. We understand that, right? The burden on our healthcare system, but that we recognize it as an epidemic. So something has to happen, right? right. And I'm kind of living proof to say that it is possible, right? It's not like you're going to, you know, lose 300 pounds and you're a miracle case and never have to deal with obesity again. I'm somebody who lives with obesity. I'm always going to live with obesity, right? I'm going to have to, you know, chronically manage this disease. So it's not going away, right? Ooh. It's not going away. Um, you know, it, it, something needs to happen. I think that if there's the shift of, you know, just kind of forgetting about the problem 
mm-hmm. and really kind of recognizing it. And we are. There's there's lots of organizations out there. I volunteer for um, Obesity Canada. I sit on their uh, executive board as a patient advocate who are really advocating um, for the recognition of obesity as chronic disease and education, um, both within the medical um, uh, world as well as, you know, the general public's population. Mm. So there's lots of good things happening. Not to say, you know, I'm not bad, bad, bad. All, all doctors right. are bad because they're not. There's a lot of really good people out there, but um, something definitely needs to shift. From from the awareness perspective, like working with organizations like that, um, I think one of the other contributing factors to stigma is the fact that people um, oftentimes presume that you have, somebody with obesity has control Right. Over the fact that they're mm-hmm. they're they're obese, um, in your experience in your life, like what, how much control did you have over your situation, and what was really like if you were to like almost distribute percentages to mm-hmm. it, like how much control did you have power over, and then what was kind of left to the illness. I think it's hard to put a percentage behind it, but when you understand that real hunger um, is controlled by hormones. And we're all different. We're all, you know, genetically made up differently Mm -hmm. that we all kind of feel that differently. Right. Like specifically in your experience, though, like almost like at what point were you like, I I just can't because you talk about how for 12 to 13 years you tried all of these interventions and and somebody who's just looking at you um, from the outside would say like, oh, like. She's not doing anything to right. better herself, but yet you yet you've tried literally everything. everything. Like we threw a hundred <laughs> different scenarios at you, and you you've you've literally done all of them. Um, um, uh, so what percentage? Because you did also mention that mm-hmm. cognitive behavioral therapy yep. is a part of it. So you you do have for to me, yeah. work on for in your experience. Mm-hmm. You you do have to make these changes in your in your own personal behaviors. But what portion do you have control over, and what is left to the illness and the in the other medical treatment. Yeah, I think for me like now like I have I I focus and I work on um you know restraint and understanding but really it was it was understanding the educational components to it. Um so I was really fortunate my mom's actually a diabetes educator and now obesity educator. So it was yeah, a cool. change in conversation, Ooh, right? So it was a change right. in why the hell can I lose this weight to actually, Crystal, let's look at this as a chronic disease and let's look at the whole bunch of treatment options that are available to you and go, mm-hmm. right? right? So, it, you know, and, and then it was kind of like, okay, but right now what's within my control? Like I recognize that, you know, healthy eating is a part of it. I recognize that exercise is primarily good for my cardiovascular system. So it's almost like reframing the problem in the sense that like, Initially, like before you had no control, but once you reframe it and look at it in a different way, you feel like you actually effort. can. It's a constant effort. Right. Yeah. But the more I know about it, the more I know that, you know, yeah, calorie deficit um, results in weight loss, mm-hmm. right? Before I used to think, God, I had to exercise eight hours a day and, and no, like I know that exercise is good for my overall health cardiovascularly, but it's not the root, um, uh, you know, cause of weight loss. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually calorie deficit, but mm-hmm. it's exercise is fantastic for everything else. Mm-hmm. Right. What other treatment options are there that, that like maybe you, you didn't, uh, take to, or that you didn't sure. even really uh, like dive into, yeah. but that exist out there that people might not even realize.
realize? Well, I think they realize them, but like bariatric surgery. So again, it's like, I'm going to throw a percent. I have no freaking clue, but Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I'm close. It's like one in 10,000 people living in Nova Scotia have access to bariatric surgery. And that could, what is bariatric? That's like a gastric bypass or, Oh yes. Like staple in the belly. Yeah. I'm I'm not, um, I I don't know a lot about the actual procedures, but that's an option. But again, it's how many people have access to it. Right. Right. What does what that, te- what does a gastric bypass really mean? Is it, is it, is it a, is it an ability for you to, for you to digest food in a, what, quick, I think they remove or? a portion of your stomach and make it smaller so yeah, you can't like, eat as much. And I, again, yeah, God, sure the medical world is hating me, yeah. no. but no, it, it really is a procedure to, to whether it's a, a band they put around your stomach to make it smaller or whatever, oh. who knows, but there's okay. other options. There's surgery. There's lots of other medications. <laughs> it's not just Sixenda. There's not just one medication. There's other medications used for weight management treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, behavioral therapy, there's, there's so many options. And again, it's individual to the person. Um, it's just a matter of knowing they're out there. So if you are affected by obesity, if you live with obesity, you live with excess weight, it's impacting your life psychologically, you know, physically, there's uh, options. What about that machine where you uh, <laughs> stand in front of it and you wrap the band yeah, around? Yeah, I've never experienced that. you. Turn this thing off. Never done that. Never done that. The human paint mixer. Yeah, that's exactly what it fucking looks like. What's your take on, what's your take on sort of like the narrative that you hear a lot <coughs> out of the US that's mm-hmm. like basically that the just the quantity and the ease of access for the shittiest food that mm-hmm. we have it as as a as like a root problem for yeah. obesity and i guess if you go deeper down that rabbit hole you, it, you'd kind of come back to probably to to behavior behavior uh well, it's a shift patterns. in our environment, right? So there's so many components, again, genetic, environmental, behavioral, whatever. But if you look at 1970, we sat down three times a day. You ate meals. Meals were prepared. Food wasn't just pop it in the microwave and off you go, right? So our environment has changed. Mm-hmm. And you look at portion sizes. You look at access to food, how easy it is. God, you got Uber Eats. You can take McDonald's right to your front door. Do you know what I mean? Like our <coughs> environment has changed. So mm-hmm. our prevalence of um, obesity rates have changed, Ooh. right? Because there's a huge environmental component. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, if food is food. It's it's not going to change. If anything, it probably has got to get easier to access. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about really, for me, recognizing it's a chronic disease, knowing there's options available, taking away the stigma, like stop judging people for the size that they're at and really understanding that they are dealing with their own chronic illness and, you know, could be managing quite happy and have really positive health effects and taking it away from just looking at somebody's aesthetic mm-hmm. and saying, yeah, they're overweight. Oh God, they're lazy. You know what I mean? And, and really kind of shifting that mental. Before we wrap it up, sure. I, uh, in kind of in line with what you were just saying, say there's someone in your life uh, who you you see is is clearly overweight and and you you're concerned mm-hmm. what would be like what would be a good thing to bring up to that person or say to that person like you know i feel like it's it's such a it's such a like walking on eggshells type mm. scenario yeah um um 
And I always think it's it's individual, right? Yeah. So it's not for me to tell somebody else that you need to lose weight and there's treatment options available. Yeah, right. um, it's really for that person for for you to be comfortable if they bring it up to you. Yeah, right. And to say, do you know what? I talked to Crystal, and Crystal said you got to advocate for your health, man, because no one else has got to do it. Mm. You know what I mean? It's it's having that person feel empowered to do it themselves. Yeah, and to really be supportive as a person, you know, in their lives that could act as a person of support mm-hmm. to kind of say, yeah, you got to go to town, man, and do this for yourself. Yeah. Um, but no, I wouldn't say it's something that I bring up with people, but surely when people talk to me and, you know, I kind of push my, my positive social media, uh, messages out there, right. Coming from obesity Canada. And I have lots of people that contact me to say, Hey, what the hell did you do? And it's like, you know what? It's not necessarily what I did. It's individual to you, but that there's options. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I gotta say, (laughs) uh, I, I now look at obesity completely different yeah. than I did uh, 57 minutes ago. Yeah, Thanks, guys. There's, a, there's definitely a huge like, <clears throat> and I feel like I, it'll, it's it's reinforced now. But I've, I mean, definitely not when I was younger because there was definitely that um, like uh, sort of aesthetic mm-hmm. sort of uh, like blanket that you threw over looking seeing somebody who was who was overweight. But I never now. And and I can't and not for a long time have I looked at anybody and gone, like, why do you look that way? Yeah. It's always when I see somebody who's overweight, my one of my thought, first thoughts is always like health. Like how are your joints? Like how is Ooh. your what's your heart like? How do you how do you feel? Like those are my and I feel like as long as that is becomes more the prevalent thought in people's minds in general, mm-hmm. and we take away this the idea that that you need to lose weight so that you look differently. I think we're going, or in just a, to be, in a just to be healthier, direction. just yeah. to, mm. to achieve your <clears throat> optimal health. Yeah, that like, might be 400 pounds. That might be 150 pounds. Take the weight out of it. Right. right? The mm. scale isn't the measurement. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's your internal body's organs that are determinant and your mental health, right? It's full mm. spectrum health. Right. That's what, um, you know, I look at it as like, mm. am I achieving optimal health by managing this disease better? Yes. A hundred percent. I am. Am I going to live longer? Yeah. Am I going to be active with my kids? Yeah. Mm. So whatever that number is, is. I think that's a big takeaway. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, like Shaq is like three hundred and seventy pounds. Take the scale out. It's, take yeah. the scale out. It's, it's the acknowledgement of of what you just said. It it is a disease. Yeah. So yeah. It, acknowledge that it's a disease, and then we can go. But the the find out the ways to treat it. Everybody's different. It's a unique situation. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Crystal. Thank you, guys. That was awesome. Super informative. This was really awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, And thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, and we'll be back, as always, next week with another fascinating episode. But in the meantime, uh, we could use your help. Uh, And there's a number of ways you could help us. Uh, If you want to do something super simple, just take... you know, one minute of your day, head over over to Apple Podcasts and leave a, a rating and a review and make sure you've hit the subscribe button and then go tell uh, 15 people in your life to do the exact same thing mm-hmm. uh, or else you'll suffer bad luck for seven years straight. Right. Um, and uh, if you want to support us financially, uh, you can do that. Yeah, you can take <clears throat> one more minute, maybe two, maybe three minutes and go over to patreon.com slash sickboy and help us over there. It'll take a few dollars out of your bank account, but who cares about that? And we'll really appreciate it. It's not about the money. It's about the money. Right, exactly. And you know what, though? Um, we're actually uh, we're actually just getting ready to revamp and re- uh, relaunch some some cool new things on Patreon coming this fall. We are. Uh, including some, some uh, conversations uh, that just the three of us are having. So... 
stick around and stay tuned for that content because that's going to be super fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you're wondering why it sounds like I'm in an old horse and carriage, uh, it's because Donovan, the meerkat Morgan, just made me sound like I'm I'm riding along with Cinderella. On your way to the midnight ball. uh, uh, Yeah, uh, don't want to be late because I don't want this carriage to turn into a pumpkin, so I'm going to quickly wrap it up by thanking Take Part for the amazing theme music. Thank you to Take Part. Take part in this.bandcamp.com if you want to hear more. And also check out the the Royal North. They're a pretty sweet band. Hell yeah, that's Donovan's band. Uh, Thanks, Donovan. Love you. And uh, I'm off to the ball. Uh, That is it for this week. I'm Uh, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I think I was starting to sign it off. I think I was starting to sign it off like uh, Turn Me On. And go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) That's Turn Me On. Uh, The... What do I? What do we? How do we usually sign off? And that's uh, it for this week. That's it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy. I'm Crystal. And this is Sick Boy. <laughs> oh. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.